I'm good at building brands. I'm good at starting things from scratch. I'm good at marketing and promotion. And I'm good at spotting talent. So I used to have broke through quite a lot of big DJs back in the back in the day or some of the biggest international DJs on the planet. Welcome to Revelations, the place where we communicate truth to power. I am Cole Johnson and I am so glad you're able to join us. He is an event planner, he is an entrepreneur, and he is a podcast host. Ladies and gentlemen, the CEO of Igloo Disco and the podcast host of That Danny Savage Show, Danny Savage. Danny is his name, and this is his revelation. Thank you, Cole. I, I see that you are from England, but you're in Spain. So uh, tell us about your upbringing. Uh, my upbringing, I'm from uh, a small working class town in Yorkshire near Leeds called Batley. And <clears throat> um, I had a bit of a troubled upbringing. I, um, I caused a lot of problems at school. I had ADHD and I was very disruptive. I got expelled from various high schools um, and I used to get in quite a lot of trouble um, and one of the main passions in my life through my teenage years was dance music. I always wanted to be a DJ um, so I, that never happened until uh, uh, I was about 26 um, so yeah my upbringing was pretty troubled um, I had a good upbringing from, with my parents, um, very musical. My mum used to take me to concerts and gigs. I think that's what gave me my passion for music. And yeah. yeah it's interesting. One of the most beautiful things about music, it gives you a grounding when other things can't. So it's good that you found that. And it's really interesting. It's really interesting. All right. So you said that you found this interest in dance music in particular let me see if there's other interests uh dance uh in music uh you like other art forms of music as well or are you strictly a dance music fan i like a bit of everything really um i'm not really specifically just a dance music fan um um like a bit of indie um especially like 90s um 80s new romantic sort of stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you were to say what's your favourite genre, I'd probably say 80s. And it's what I was brought up on. It's what my mum used to listen to, what my dad used to listen to, uh, the gigs I used to go to when I were a kid. Uh, <clears throat> my mum my used to funnily, she used to sneak me into concerts when I was underage. <laughs> I went to quite a lot of high-profile concerts, um, like Terence Trent Derby, for example. I think I was about eight years old, and my mum snuck me into a nightclub in Leeds. Um <laughs> um, I went to a David Bowie concert. Luckily, I've been to see him twice. And I even got his drumsticks once. I was dancing on my dad's shoulders at Manchester City Ground for the Glass Spider Tour. And I was dancing on my dad's shoulders really crazy for a young kid. And the drummer on the stage saw me and sent a steward through the crowd to give me the drumsticks. Uh, unluckily, I'm moving house that many times over the years. I've, uh, I've misplaced them, so <laughs> which is a bit gutty. But yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Terrence and Darby, 
Ooh. So yeah, and David Bowie. <coughs> wow, David okay. Bowie. I went to see Madonna um, mm. when I was about seven, eight. I think that nineteen eighty-eight was a year I went to see most of the gigs. I think that was probably my big, um, big year for live gigs. And it, funnily enough, one of my favourite ever tracks when I was a kid was Europe Final Countdown. Um, so I've played that for my little boy recently, and mm. he's obsessed with it as well now, and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used, I loved it when I was eight, nine. Now it's uh, ah. <laughs> it, it's funny. Uh, it's funny what children find interesting that you do, and <laughs> and when you hear it from their from from their ears, it's like okay, I used to like it. I don't know if I like it as much as you do now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I totally understand that. So I think um, my passion for dance music really started when I was about <clears throat> 10 years old. Uh, one of my cousins, he was a DJ on a pirate radio station in uh, Heckman Dwight called Wacky FM. And um, I listened to it and that's what got me into listening to dance music and the whole rave scene had kicked off. And I think the first rave tape I got was uh, the ultimate rave it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started getting underground mixtapes, like hardcore rave tapes, house music tapes. And I actually, I was that involved, um, I loved it that much that I started copying the tapes and I set my own first, one of my first ever businesses, I was selling copied mixtapes at high school. Um, so all these dance music tapes and I'd make my own covers and print them on a, uh, a copier. And yeah, I was very entrepreneurial when I was younger. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it sounds as if you, <laughs> it sounds as if you've tied one love with seemingly a burgeoning love here with promotions and marketing. So yeah. when did you discover that you had a love for doing that as well, the marketing side or the promotion side? So I think when I was even younger than the mixtape days, I, I, I funnily enough, uh, one of my neighbors, uh, the friend, um, my friend's dad, he had a lot of bankrupt stock. His company went into liquidation. He had all these, um, they were like velvet coated bins and cushions in his garage and they were just sat there and I was talking to him one day about it because I, I, I was always trying to earn money. I used to wash cars. I used to go cut people's lawns. I used to do all sorts. I had more money then than I do now. <laughs> but um, um, so he said to me, I said, can I go sell these door to door? And um, he says, yeah, if you can do it, don't, I don't think you will. So I took some of these cushions and bins and went knocking on doors and it turned out I ended up selling everything in his garage over the, over the summer school holidays, and I earned over a thousand pound. I think I was about wow. eight, nine years old, and it's gone on since from there. Really, I've I always loved making money. I think it was because my parents never gave me pocket money because I was so disruptive and naughty, and um, <laughs> they were always if you if you behave yourself, we'll give you pocket money, and I never did. So I never got pocket <laughs> money. I, I, I always got, they always took me on holidays and I, I never went without, but I never actually got physical pocket money. So it taught me from a young age that I need to earn my own money. So I always used to go out and graft and hustle. And I never, I always had more money than all, all the kids um, in, in loads of different ways. And then when I was about 12, 13 as well, I used to, I'm a big football, uh, soccer fan, as you call it, <laughs> football League United right. fan. And I used to go down to the, the ground on a morning during the school holidays, I used to get the football shirts and take them down and the players would sign them. And then I would put them in the local, uh, it was called free ads at the time, like a um, directory for selling secondhand goods. And I'd 
I'd sell the t-shirts in there, signing t-shirts by all the players, and then the people would buy them and auction them off. So I, I think I was getting like £150 a shirt, 100, £150 a shirt. Wow. This was back 20-odd years ago, so it was quite a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're all things I used to do when I was... Um, yeah, just a, a young boy. Mm. So I've always had a, I've always had the knack for going out and promoting and getting myself out there, mm. making money. Wow. Wow. So yeah. So being an entrepreneur is just in your blood. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. And then the club, the club promotion thing, I, I always mm-hmm. wanted to be a DJ that never happened. But when mm-hmm. I was about 18, um, me and my ex partner, we did a business plan and wrote a proposal together to do a club night a club in Leeds mm-hmm. and we sent it off in the, in the mail. Um, I've got all the, actually I've not spoke to my ex-girlfriend, but she gave the, the, the proposal. She gave it to one of my friends about three, four years ago. And she said, I've got a present for you. So I've actually got this handwritten proposal with all the faxes from the agents, the DJ agents. We got prices for her. We had to fax then to get a price for a DJ. Oh, wow. Um, so I've got all this in a folder. So it's really cool. I'm going to uh, probably write a blog about that and uh, get it all up online soon. So I, I've, even without realizing, I forgot I did that. So even without realizing that I wanted to be a club promoter from a younger age, mm-hmm. but it took quite a while longer to get there. Yeah. Yeah. As, as seemingly when we want to do certain things in life, it does seem to take a while. A lot of bumps. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so you went to college or I'm sorry, university, because I, that's, I know how Canadians and Britons call <laughs> higher learning. Uh, and you went to study event management. So what things in university did you all learn or did you learn? I should say that helps you now. So this is the, um, I actually went to university about five years ago. I'm 38 now. So <clears throat> this was a bit of a weird one because at the time I, I was going to Burning Man quite a lot, uh, Burning Man Festival in the US and spending a bit of time in San Francisco. I had a lot of friends over there and I I, did, I wanted to move over to San Francisco and run events because at the time I was running mm. club nights and all over the UK. I was pretty successful at that and I wanted to move to San Francisco and to do that, you need a degree. And I thought, well, actually, I've been, I've been running events for so long. I've not actually got a piece of paper to say that I, um, I'm qualified at this. So I've not, so I left school at 15. Mm-hmm. I was thrown out of school at 15. I never had any degree. I never took any exams. Mm-hmm. So I thought, right, it's about time I went and got something behind me. And <clears throat> so I had a, it's a bit of a midlife crisis. I went to, a sub- mm-hmm. <laughs> I went to Leeds University and said, oh, look, I want to join and do the events management degree. Um, and they said, look, you need to have your GCSEs in English and maths to do this. And they said, maybe you can do it next year. And I was like, no, not a chance. I can spend the whole summer doing this and get my GCSEs so I can start in September. And I said, well, if you think you can, fair enough, go for it. And I, I'm not one to back down from a challenge. So I, mm-hmm. I found a course that could do it in eight weeks. I spent two full um, full full months of my summer sat in a sweaty classroom getting the learn direct equivalent of my GCSEs to get me into university in September. So then <clears throat> I started I started the course in September. Um, just before I started, I found out we were me and my partner are pregnant. Um, I'd also bought an igloo, and the igloo business took off. And I'd also decided to do my own music festival. And it literally got to a point where I had so much on my head was going to pop and something I had to give. So I was doing, I think I got about four months into the event management course. Um, and I thought, well, 
I don't need this. I don't need this degree just to be able to do what I love. Um, I've self-taught everything I've learned. I've learned myself. I've learned from online courses or I've learned from mentors, people around me. And I do believe in that you don't need to do go to school or go to university to learn what you want to do in life. And that would have been a big three years out of my life just to get a piece of paper, really. And then because we're having a baby, I didn't move to I, – I, I decided not to want to move to San Francisco. So I actually – Flunked out is <laughs> the <laughs> short answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, look, life, <clears throat> life is a big, big, big classroom, and and if you don't look at life as such, uh, <laughs> yeah, you you'll be stuck. So yeah, yeah it was I, diffi- I difficult as well because I was having to I was thrown into a classroom environment after twenty years of uh, not being to school or anything, and having to go back to taking notes and learning and. Uh, everyone was younger than me as well. It were, and I actually didn't really learn that much. It was not. They actually, they actually told me they were fast tracking me a year, so that I skipped the first year because they, they found out who I was and I was pretty well known in the Leeds area for club nights and nightclubs and stuff. So they actually fast tracked me to the year after. Um, but yeah, it just it wasn't for me really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And colleges or universities not for all. And but it was good that you learned that. It is really good that you learned that. Then that you actually attempted it and said, and said, Oh, well, we'll give it a shot. And yeah. Well, and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I totally get yeah. that. All right. So, um, I was looking at your bio and I was seeing a whole ton of event management spots that you have had. So, uh, out of all of the event management positions you held and managing director uh, positions you held, which one or which ones uh, have been the most beneficial to you in leading to what you do now? Uh, I definitely think <clears throat> setting up my club night filth. Um, that's what, that's what got me into this, uh, put me on this path into parties and events and mu- the music industry. And that all happened by chance, by accident. No, I don't believe it happens by chance, but uh, it wasn't planned anyway. So yeah, I'd definitely say running, being the company owner of my brand Filth, that started in 2006 or seven. I should really know this off the top of my head. <laughs> I think it was December 2006. <clears throat> so how this started was a friend asked me to DJ at her party, and because um, the, the DJ it like he decided he couldn't do it. Um, I think the, I think the reason was nerves. And someone asked me if I could do it, and I'd literally just been to Ibiza for a holiday uh, after a big break from DJing for years, and uh, I got back into the music. So I, I went and bought some records, vinyl records, uh, on the San Antonio. Got some records, took them back to England, and when the when Serena asked me if uh, I would DJ, I thought, well, perfect. I've just I've got the DJ kit, I've got all my old records, I've got all these new records I want to I want to play, and I thought, yeah, I'll do it. So. I DJed at the party and every, it was that good. Everyone had a whip round uh, in a hat, old school style, and give me, I think I got about £200. And everyone was saying, yeah. Here's some, if you'll stay on, we'll give you this. So they made me stay and play and DJ for another two or three hours. So it went on to like 6am. And afterwards, I just got the hunger back for it. I thought, this is what I want to do again. Um, so what we did, we, we found out there's no nightclubs in this town. It was a town called Otley. Uh, there were no nightclubs there. We found a venue which was re- usually reserved for line dancing classes. It was the back room in a wine bar called Corks 
Mm. Uh, we spoke to the owner and asked if we could hire it out for a Saturday evening in December, I think it was, or January. And uh, they said, yeah. So I suddenly had my own club night, decided to call it Filth. Uh, booked three of my friends who were DJs and then I had to learn how to sell tickets and promote and run a night. So we did everything um, from scratch and I learned how to use MySpace um, as it was then. Um, so MySpace was my promotion tool. Nice, so I learned nice. how to use MySpace. I used to add friends and spam everyone's wall. I was known as Danny Spamage back then because I used to have all these, I used to have all these tools that <laughs> oh, posted no. flyers on people's walls. So I think in about in the space of a few months, I had something like fifteen thousand MySpace friends, and I posted a flyer on every one of the walls. Um, so yeah, that's how that started, and it's slowly evolved into one of the UK's um, leading club nights at the time. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So is filth, is that uh, an acronym or it's just the word filth and you decided to name it that? Yeah, just the name filth because the music back then we called it like, it was like filthy electro, mm-hmm. like really dirty sort of filthy music. So that's why we came up yeah. with, a, with a title. Mm-hmm. If I could turn back the clock, I wouldn't have called it filth because it's sort of <laughs> stereotyped just to that sound for forever. So when we progressed, the name didn't move with it. Um, mm. so the music slowly progressed into house and techno and tech house over mm. this course of 10 years. So, um, but yeah, the name, the names, um, that's why. No, that's, that's fine. Look, uh, well, at least hip hop fans back in the day would always, would always love to have artists or songs that, that were, that were really hard and they would call it grimy or gutter, and it'd be similar to similar to how you term uh, f- uh, filthy uh, dance tracks. So I totally get the the vibe that you were going with and calling it filth, because yeah, you, you sort of like something that sounds, I guess you could say, a little bit down to earth that that doesn't seem above you, yeah. but you can relate to it. So I, I I get the correlation of it, but I totally also get the the business end of I don't know if I want to call something ne- something that I love or something that is lovely negative. So I totally get that. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> advice if you ever are going to set up a club night, don't don't link it to the genre of music because you will evolve. Everything evolves, even though you think it might mm. not now. Um, wow. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Any any entrepreneur, any entrepreneur that's not bored of what they do normally <laughs> normally is yeah. extremely <laughs> successful oh my yeah. gosh so that's good that's good and since you've mentioned the name many different times your business igloo disco what made you title your company after an igloo so um sorry um uh, the long story do you want the long or the short one uh, you can give me a long one <laughs> <laughs> so we when we first started Phil the club brand um, me and my DJs we were in Ibiza one time and we were having a bit of a party back at our old villa uh, back in I think like 2008-9 and we got a bit drunk um, and we came up with a well I came up with a stupid idea to buy uh, an ice cream van because one of my friends had made a track called uh, Mind That Child where he sampled an ice cream van track mm. And I said, let's buy an ice cream van and make a music video to go with the track. And we'll drive around Europe with a sound system playing parties on beaches and all this sort of oh, stuff. Nice. And it was just a stupid, <laughs> just a stupid drunk idea. Uh, but 
me being me, I went back to England and I bought an ice cream van and I thought this is actually a really good idea. <laughs> so we bought an, bought an ice cream van and we, I, I got a sponsor, uh, guys from Soonight.com, um, and together we pimped up the, the ice cream van, we got a sound system, we took, ripped it all out, all the fridges out, um, we put sound, uh, some plug sockets inside it, we had the DJ booth in there, we got a big sound system and then we got um, a graffiti artist to come and graffiti the whole ice cream van. Oh, wow. So we're literally like a mobile DJ booth. Um, so straight away, we pitched this to all the big festivals, Glastonbury, Tea in the Park, Creamfields, Global Gathering, um, the big festivals in the UK. Mm-hmm. And they more or less all of them loved it and said, um, yeah, we'd love to have you in the festival. So that was our gateway into DJing at the music festivals, the biggest festivals in the UK. Um, so the ice cream van, we did that for about two or three years. It got really popular. Uh, we like a novelty fun thing. We had its own Facebook page. Everyone followed it and stuff. So, um, it got to the stage where we, it was pretty popular and the festivals were putting an arena around it. So we had a marquee at one of the festivals, a Glade festival, and it, we, we had a full crew there, about 10 or 15 of us. And we, we had like total creative, um, responsibility to decorate and put all the lighting in there and everything like that. We had a function one sound system. And then afterwards I thought, right, this is what we want to do. We want to, we want to have our own traveling marquee with the ice cream van inside it. Um, so I don't know why I, um, I, I linked ice cream to igloos hmm. and I, I thought if we could get a big giant inflatable igloo and put the ice cream van inside it. That could be our mobile festival arena. Then we can charge them for the whole, the whole thing as opposed to just the van. Um, so yeah, that's how I did it. So I, um, I sourced a company, I got a designer to design the igloo. So I designed it from scratch. So it it enabled the van to drive inside. And then that's how I bought an igloo. Yeah. And funnily enough, the van has never, ever been inside the igloo because the igloo took off on its own. Mm -hmm. Uh, we did a party in it and then someone asked if they could, if they could hire it for their festival and then someone at the festival asked if they could hire it for their festival and it just went from there. People saw it and thought it was cool and hired it and that's how Igloo Disco was born. So it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's a disco in an igloo. Mm. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's how I come up with the name. And we've evolved quite a lot over the years. Um, I, I thought to myself, um, I've got background in running venues, uh, club nights, uh, DJ, so... I can do all that side of it. So why don't I incorporate that into the glue packages and save people the stress of having to do it themselves? Um, so now we're sort of like a one-stop shop. It's like a traveling nightclub. We basically put a nightclub in your garden. Um, uh, we have everything um, from flooring to bars, to furniture, to all the DJ equipment, LED screens, ice cannons, confetti cannons, DJs, uh, bar staff, alcohol, everything. We just take care of the whole lot. And we can build a nightclub in a garden in five hours now. And that's what we guarantee. So that's how, that's the story. Wow. Because hmm. I saw the name before I even got on the mic and did this interview with you. I saw the name. I said, Igloo? Disco I got. I figured, okay, that, you know, that deals with a, a genre of music. I, I got that. But I was like, Igloo? This is interesting. I got to ask about that. So, yeah, that's that's good. I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, uh, hmm. At the time as well, no one in the UK had any glue. So I checked all this beforehand. I thought, well, it's something unique. I'm always one for doing unique ideas. I don't like copying anyone. I don't like 
following the trends. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's people that's obviously seen what I've done and re- tried replicating it. So there's a few imitations knocking about, but right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and look, it, it, you hit the nail on the head on that one because I, <laughs> that's something I've never pictured. I'm like, ah, oh, an events company. It's it's in an igloo. That it really is interesting. Well, uh, you did your job because that is that is totally original, (laughs) totally original. Uh, I I was thinking about the services that you provide in Igloo Disco. Uh, You've talked about it being nightclub ish. Are there types of events that you don't or won't put on? Um. Kids parties, really. We don't really do kids parties. Um, we really do focus on the parties, um, 18th birthday parties, 21st birthday parties, festivals and club nights there. That's what we're passionate about. That's what we, that's what we do. We do, um, we do quite a few corporate parties, but it's always a party. We don't really do like exhibitions and, uh, we're not, we're not a marquee hire company. We're passionate about putting on a, a, a nightclub experience. Um, and, for example, I had, a, I had a woman a few weeks ago saying she wanted it for a daughter's 18th, but she didn't want music, and I refused to do it. I said, you can't do an 18th birthday party with no music. And she said, oh, my daughter doesn't like music. Oh, I'm like, so, yeah, we're not, we, we don't do that. It seems a bit tight, but um, we don't do parties with no music. Uh, yeah, I would. I, yeah, if I would have had an 18th birthday party without music, uh, <laughs> that something would have been wrong with me. Yeah, and both my parents would have asked, "Okay, something's wrong with him. Admit him to the hospital right now." So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, so that's good to know. All right, so no kids parties, but everything else is fair game. Okay, all right. Uh, what is the wildest event you have put on thus far? <clears throat> In an igloo. Mm-hmm. Hmm, oh, that's a hard one there. Um, I think possibly Secret Garden Party. We did a, <clears throat> it was called a sexy lingerie party, and it was about three years ago. We It was a backstage, it wasn't necessarily backstage, but it was hidden, it was a secret area. Mm-hmm. So we had this whole area, um, we had the igloo, an ice rink, and you had to crawl through a wardrobe of fur coats like Narnia with snow raining down on you to get in. Mm-hmm. And it was really in the, it was like miles away in the festival. It was really hard to get to. Um, and then once you got through this secret uh, door into the secret area, we had this sexy lingerie party, which was a bit, yeah, it, it explains itself really. Mm-hmm. It was a bit wild. And yeah, there were people in underwear and you can imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it to your imagination. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, compete with probably some Playboy <clears throat> mansion parties. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. That is cool. Your love of DJing. Now, you mentioned it earlier. Um, have you tried to, how can I ask this? Uh, pick the love up somehow, some way. Or have you said, okay, this is an interest that I could do every now and then and just say, yeah, that was a dream I had when I was a child. And I'm not going to touch it anymore. Do you still have that passion to be a DJ or no? Yeah, definitely I do. But the the thing is, I realized I was a really good promoter and I enjoy 
the whole infrastructure and putting things together and the whole planning and management of it. Um, and then DJing was still my passion. I still used to DJ quite a lot when I was running my own parties. I used to play at my own parties. I used to get booked for quite a lot of parties. I played all over the world. Um, but I, sl- I slowly learned that the, I was more passionate about uh, putting the parties together. Um, but... <clears throat> I'm, I've still got a big passion for DJing. I still play. I'm actually considering having like a comeback next year because I, I don't want to. I don't want to DJ just for for money. I don't want it to be like back then. It was like I want to be a DJ. I want to earn money f- from DJing as a career. But I don't need to do that now. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm looking at really doing coming back and DJing just for fun and playing at some of my friends' parties in Ibiza. Um, and so yeah. Mm-hmm, okay. I think one more one thing I like to do, I'm good at building brands. I'm good at starting things from scratch. I'm good at marketing and promotion, um, and I'm good at spotting talent. So I used to, I've broke th- through quite a lot of big DJs back in the back in the day. I was some of the biggest international DJs on the planet. I was the first to book them in the UK or the first to book them in the north of England. Um, and I think what I'm what I'm trying to do now is teach young DJs how to how to build their own profile and get noticed and get themselves out there. So they're getting, they're getting to do what I couldn't do when I was younger because I didn't have the tools. I didn't know how to get booked. I didn't know where to send mixtapes and whatnot. So that's why it took me so long from being a teenager wanting to DJ until actually being 26 and learning how to promote and um, use social media and get myself out there. Um, that's why it took me so long to become a DJ myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking back when you were talking about that. I was thinking back to here in the states, where when hip hop became a big thing, uh, similar issues were, ha- were happening with with rappers. They, you know, they had this skill; they could they could hop behind the mic and they can, you know, just tear the house down with what they say. And these DJs that were behind them could could mix a whole club to where they're just in a frenzy. But no one would notice them. So you had these people, the biggest one being uh, Russell Simmons, who came up with Rush Management. And his whole goal was to put, promote and push artists that did hip hop to the masses. And when you were talking about that, I was like, wow, this is like a techno version of that, which yeah. is kind of cool. And and, and, it's, and it's needed and necessary because, you know, it, it, the 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 mainstream world is not really aware of uh, of the techno world you, it, seemingly you have to be in the world of that you had to be in the genre to know oh yeah i know that dj oh i know that artist but you don't if you're not in that world you have i won't say you have no idea but you have little idea as to who these big figures are so it's it's good that there is an advocate like yourself who was willing to do that thank you <clears throat> yeah it's it's some way of me giving back as well it's like I've, I learned my craft um, from my well I self-taught myself everything I know really um, and if I'd have known what I know now back then I'd have probably made a career a lot earlier and I'd to save myself um, five or six seven years of misery working in crap jobs <laughs> working for other people's packing boxes selling double glazing and all the shit jobs I used to do um so that's I, I, I see so many young kids with talent. So many friends of mine, even um, 
similar age to me, some of them, and they're just so talented. They don't know how to get the music signed or to get DJ gigs and the waste, the wasting talent. And all they want to do is be a DJ. And some of, some of my friends, it's the number one goal in life to be a DJ and they don't even have a Facebook page. Um, they don't, they don't know where to send the mixes or how to promote themselves and get these gigs. So I'm not saying I'm, a, I've ever been a massive DJ. I've never, um, I've never been an international traveling DJ and I never had an agent or anything like that, but. There's some simple steps you can make to build your profile and just to get yourself a fan base and to get yourself seen. And there's ways to approach agents and there's ways to approach nightclubs and venues. Um, and this is why I'm doing the podcast is because I want to ask the DJs who, who have already made it and broke through what advice they can give to up and coming DJs. What, what did they do to get to where they are? Uh, what's your story? Um, and that's, that's my, um, that's my reason for doing this. Hmm. And that's a very good reason to do it. It's a very good reason. Hmm. So would you say, like what you just described, uh, seeing these talented artists who need to have a platform, need to promote themselves and put themselves out there and, ex- and be exposed to more ears and, and more, more people, uh, would that be one of the passions for what you're doing with that Danny Savage show? Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> that's one of the main passions, and another reason is I'm wanting to I wanted to turn the podcast the end of the well, not the end of the podcast, but I wanted to write a book, which is also uh, going to be targeted for for DJs, which is a bit of a it's going to be like a resource guide from all the best bits what the DJs advice they've given over the year of the of the course of the podcast. So, say for example, in six, seven, eight months' time. Then I'll write the book and it'll take all the best bits, the best takeaways, the best advice, the best tools, techniques. Um, and then that will go into a book and that's, that book's going to be on sale for DJs and hundred percent of the profits are going to go to a charity that we support, which is called last night, a DJ saved my life. A good mm-hmm. friend of mine, Johnny, who's based in Ibiza, they raise money through the dance music community for, to help kids in crisis. So they build wells, um, music schools, and other charitable uh, efforts over through Africa and Asia. Um, so it's all fundraised through the dance music industry, but it's to help kids in crisis all over the world. And that's, uh, that's one of my other passions is I want to do more charitable work and I want, it, I want people to <clears throat> take advantage of through music, not take advantage, but um, what's the word? <laughs> Learn through music and yeah. So, I think it was 2012. I, um, I went and set up a media center and music school in a place called Butterfly Space in Akata Bay, Malawi. Very impulsive thing. I just found them online and they needed some help setting up a media center. And then I just said, look, I'll come and do it. Two girls from England, Josie and, uh, Alice, amazing girls bought the place and turned it into a big charity project. So I raised quite a lot of musical equipment. So laptops, speakers, DJ equipment. I got one of my good friends uh, who's just started a podcast called Audio Mogul. He came over. He's a he's an Ableton instructor. He used to teach at university. Um, I took him with me and I took all the equipment over and he taught all the kids how to produce music. So we, had, we literally had um, kids walking for days to come see us because they heard these guys from England are over 
um, and they were walking with all the handmade instruments through from from miles and miles away. Um, so then we'd record them down uh, by the by the lake. We made like a little recording studio outside and recorded some of the guys making making their own music. And we taught the kids how to produce and how to use Ableton and some of the guys to DJ. Um, one of the guys straight away, he's, um, he, he got poached by a Canadian businessman to go live in South Africa. So because of his skills, um, what we taught him. So that is, we changed his life for the better straight away. And yeah, so that's, it's got a big place in my heart, um, that place. And it's something I want to go, I want to do again. I want to get back involved. Um, so that's why I'm going to do in the book. Um, and that's the podcast is to fill the book and, mm. The book is to support the charity. <clears throat> nice. Wow. That, that's some good work. Wow. Yeah. And, and much success to that. Much success to, to all of that. Cause that's, that is really, that's really a good thing. If you would have, if you were to write a bio and you had to answer the question, who is Danny Savage? What would you write? I really get I get hung up on this all the time. What I'm, what do I call myself? Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an author. I'm a consultant um, in the dance music industry, and I think that's me summed up in a in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. I like that. And where is home now for you? Um, Ibiza. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've just recently moved to Ibiza in September, and that's been one of my goals to move back here. I used to, I used to party here. I used to work here. I used to run club nights over years ago. Um, we had a big villa, which me and my friends all hide out it was like a summer of love. Do you know, like when you see on the TV and um, you've got this big villa, and it's just a non-stop party all summer, and uh, <clears throat> well, it was a bit like that. Um, it was, it was pretty, pretty epic. Um, so we're here for three years. Um, I moved back to England and I grew up, had kids. Um, I've not been back to Ibiza for five years. And then I think it was January this year. Is it this year? Yeah. January this year I was doing, a, I do, I do quite a lot of goal setting and I'm doing a program called the 12 week year and you go through your big goals for the year for three years and then five years. And I set a goal to move back to Ibiza and get a villa and bring my kids up in Ibiza. Um, and that was like my three-year goal. And mm. I set that as a three-year goal. And then I went to a Tony Robbins uh, seminar called Unleash the Power. I'm a big Tony Robbins fan, big personal development uh, guy. I don't know if you know him. And I went to his gig in um, in London, like a three-day event. And he did a talk on if you've got a big goal, go experience it and make you hungrier for it. So that was one of the big takeaways I took from the three days. I went to my girlfriend and I said, look, we're going to hire a villa in Ibiza. We're going to go live this uh, three weeks, a month in Ibiza. Um, we're going to see if we want to live there. And it coincided with the International Music Summit IMS, which is a big dance music uh, summit in Ibiza. So I, I tied it all together, went to IMS, got a villa, and then literally after two days, it was like, I said to my girlfriend, Kristen, I said, look what we're doing. Why, do, why are we not moving here? It's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's um, going for a jog on the beach every morning. The quality of life's a lot better. Um, so 
yeah, we decided to look for a house. Within two days, we found a villa and we put the money down to move in, uh, to rent the villa from September this year and uh, went back to England and then it was like, wow, uh, we've done it. We've, we've put this money down, but it's a, lot more, it's a lot more expensive than we're used to paying in England. The rent was four times more than we were paying. Wow. So we had to figure out how to uh, earn more money to pay for it. So we literally just worked my ass off all summer, mm-hmm. um, growing my business, earning more money, making it so we could come to a beta and uh, live a better life. Wow. So that's why I'm here. And it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. I think I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, just the people, uh, the people, the vibe, the weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just just hearing you speak, I can I can feel how the energy of where you live is fueling you. So that's a good thing. That is a really good thing. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned early. So you mentioned that you are wanting to do a podcast or are about to embark on doing one. What made you come up with the title that Danny Savage Show? <laughs> oh yeah. Um I wondered if someone were ever going to ask me this. So <laughs> the, oh, I've got my website, dannysavage.com. I had the Instagram, Danny Savage, but I couldn't get the the rest of the handles. I couldn't get the Facebook, Danny Savage, and, and the Twitter, Danny Savage, because other people had got them. And mm-hmm. um, I thought, right, I'm going to have to come up with another name, which is, I want. I, I like to be consistent. I like one handle across all platforms mm-hmm. on social media. I think everyone should. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to get you, to give, tell people where to find yeah. you. Um, so... I thought the Danny Savage and then I thought that Danny Savage. And then the reason I went with that Danny Savage is because it rings in my ears when I were a kid. Um, whenever something wrong went, when, whenever something went wrong or something was broken or something happened, there's someone there would say, who that, who did it? And they'd be, oh, that Danny Savage. So <laughs> now we all known as that Danny Savage. All right, with that Danny Savage. Who smashed this? That'll have been that Danny Savage. So yeah, I've gone for that name because it's, uh, it's a bit of a, um, it's got a bit of history, yeah. Nice, I like that. <laughs> I like that. It, it, it harkens me to these uh, Twitter accounts that you see, uh, the real whomever the big name is. You know, I saw that. Yeah. I was thinking that might be it, but I'll ask him. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that is funny. Oh my! All right. So, why is event planning, promotions, and DJing such a big passion in your life? Um, <clears throat> uh, like I said earlier, it's the, the bringing people together. Uh, I love bringing people together. I love people being able to earn money, earn a living and do what they love, um, through their passions and, uh, dance music and events and parties and clubbing is my, one of my biggest passions. It is my biggest passion. Um, so one of the realizations I had with this, it was uh, a few years ago, I was looking at some friends who were getting married and I thought, actually, they met at my club night. And then I looked through back through all our friends over the years, and I was like, actually, they started a business together because they met at my club night, and they moved to abroad because they met at my club night. And then I saw this big pattern of everyone, all these, and you don't realise when you're doing it, you don't realise when you're putting on a club night, you just think it's just a party, we're just going to go and get hammered and have a good time <laughs> and dance. And, but then you look at all the relationships that have been forged and the family that's been built within the within the brand um so filth it was so we used to have like infamous after parties that went on for days in um in apartments in leeds um 
um, yeah, we're pretty famous for it. And all these people that have met through there and they've gone on to um, do things together and get married together, it really makes it feel worthwhile. Mm. And that's what I get a big kick out of put, bringing people together, forging relationships and um, people being successful through doing that. Mm. Yeah. It, it, we get these negative stereotypes about clubbing. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, it's a place where you hear a lot of music and you try to pick up chicks or you, or, or women try to get picked up and that's pretty much it. <laughs> you don't think about the other aspect of, well, you want to have people come together in one spot and have a good time and either forget about worries or celebrate uh, big events. And that's why this exists. And just getting your vibe. That's the feeling I'm getting. And I'm glad that you're presenting something like this to the world because it's sorely needed. Yeah. For me, clubbing is to get, it's a place to forget about the troubles in your life and to get away from the hustle and bustle of the outside world and to come and let your hair down and dance to one beat with everyone else and forget about all your problems. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Excuse me. And pick up chicks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's part of life. Part of life. Part of life. (laughs) If you had to name a podcast that you want to model that Danny Savage show after, which one would it be? Definitely Tim Ferriss show because that is more or less what I'm doing. It's a a blueprint for my podcast. Tim Ferriss deconstructs the top performers from all different walks of life, athletes, businessmen, um, chefs, what have you, actors, and he gets all their tools and tips in life, things you can implement. And I've learned so much from Tim Ferriss. And so it's given me that blueprint to, this is what I want to do for DJs to similar things. So you, if you listen to my podcast, you might think, oh, this guy's ripping Tim Ferriss off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and yeah, it's like, it's, uh, that's, that's where I've got it from. I'll admit from day one is my inspiration with it all. That's awesome. So if you've not heard of Tim Ferriss, listen to his show. It's also uh, it's Tim Ferriss show. Mm. That is nice. That is nice. So a typical That Danny Savage show, uh, what type of guests will you have? Or if you're not going to have guests, or if you are going to have guests, but you're also going to do other types of shows as well, uh, what should the audience expect when they hear an episode and it's probably just you? If you're not having guests. Right. Okay. It's so I'm starting out. Uh, I've got DJs booked up for the next two months. I've got quite a few big DJs. <clears throat> I've got, um, Ben Pierce, Dolly, Denny, Josh Butler, Habishman, um, all confirmed for the first few podcasts. Um, now I've got some really big DJs coming in the new year. Um, I've, I've got quite a lot of contacts in this industry, so it's quite easy to get a few, pull a few favors. And also next year, it's going to go from just DJs into the, the, just the general dance music industry, the movers and shakers, um, event promoters, festival owners, agents, uh, managers of artists. So it's going to be a whole community within the, the music industry, dance music industry specifically. Um, and it's going to be, so it's, yeah, it's going to be getting, tools and tips and techniques and the the knowledge and the stories as well. The stories are wicked from some of these people um, from when they were a kid up until how they made it. People have got a preconception that some, a lot of DJs are an overnight success. They make a tune 
a track and then the next day they're famous, but they don't understand the backstory, what they've done to get there, the, the graph they've put in, the hard work they've put in over the years, the, the lack of sleep, the, the self-teaching, the college uh, classes at night, evening school and stuff like that, what they've done to get there. So I think it's a good platform for me to show how people can get to where they want to be as well. This, all throughout this time, you give me a lot of a lot of good information as to what a person needs to do, no matter if you are in the industry in which you are in, which is promotions or marketing or, or dance music, any industry, it is good to have a consistent brand. And the fact that you said that, I was like, yeah, I got to hammer that home because that is, that's good for any entrepreneur to hear. Yeah, I've I've wrote a blog on this. Uh, I write a lot of blogs for DJs on my website, dannysavage.com. Um, I've been doing this for about a year now, so there's a couple of blogs on personal branding. There's a couple of blogs on how to figure out your DJ name. There's loads and loads of stuff on there if you want to check that out. Um, and if you have any questions, you can email me personally uh, about right. branding. It's Danny at dannysavage.com. Oh, look, man, I could talk to you yeah. endlessly because uh, I'm, I've enjoyed this conversation and I'm learning a lot along the way. Uh, but I got to cut this short. And when I do cut it short, I have these following questions I love to ask before I do let you go. What is your biggest regret or not regret lesson learned, either one that you've ever had in life? Wow. <laughs> um, I ask this question a lot. I should know this as well. Uh, my biggest regret. Um, Even though I advocate that you don't need school to learn your trade, uh, I do regret being a prick at school. <laughs> I was, um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't fit in with an academic environment. I was not, I was not stupid. I was really clever. Um, and I, I just didn't, I didn't have the, I couldn't concentrate. I didn't have the concentration span to listen to teachers talking about things that don't, ex- that, that don't excite me. It's like maths and English. Um, if it was a subject that really, really excited me and uh, I'd get really involved, and I'd be really good at it. But uh, things that don't excite me, I just don't, I don't show any interest. So I do regret getting thrown out of school and putting my parents through all the grief that I put them through. Um, mm-hmm. And I do regret not learning more because now I'm spending a lot of my time now backtracking and learning what I need to learn. But I'm learning what I want to learn, not as opposed to what someone else wants me to learn. I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm not a big fan of the English academic system, the curriculum, um, how they force people to listen to subjects they're not interested in. Like my son's at school at the moment, he's 13. And he's exactly the same as me. I can see me and him. He doesn't like certain subjects and is, he fidgets and messes about in class. <clears throat> but, and he's put his, putting his mum through a bit of, uh, and me through a bit of stress. So that's probably one of my regrets. But mm. yeah, I wouldn't say my biggest regret. Mm, okay. Uh, that's a good, that's a good one. All right. Flipping the coin to the other side, what has been, 
your biggest accomplishment in life? Um, turning my igloo disco business from two grand, three grand of cash saved in the bank from my job working at a club in Leeds um, to a company that's turning over nearly three quarters of a million pound this year. Um, so totally bootstrapped, not had any investment apart from my dad lent me a few quid. <laughs> my dad lent me a little bit of money uh, a while ago, but no banking loans, no investment. Um, and turning that into a business without any business knowledge, without um, doing any business co- coaching or business schools or anything like that. I've just literally learned how to build a business from scratch. Now I've got seven full-time staff, um, 20 part-time staff. We have seven different, eight different igloo structures and all the kit to go inside, sound and lighting and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, definitely that is my number one accomplishment in life. Wow. Um, but yeah, I don't know if <clears throat> I was on, I was on BBC Dragon's Den uh, earlier this year in January this year and the Dragons didn't invest. So that sort of like give me, uh, spurred me on to make more of a success of the business. And um, the reason they didn't invest is because we only made a really small profit. And then this year we've got to made a large profit straight away off the back of it because um, there's nothing more than failure that makes you uh, want to achieve success. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 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 The biggest motivator of success is failure. No question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's you have to fail and fail and fail and fail until you get there. It's, um, it's, I like failing. Every time I fail at something now, it's um, right. Right. Okay. What am I going to learn from this? And what's, what's good's going to happen from it? Cause I failed a lot of times. Um, like, Loads of big decisions I've made uh, running a business have been wrong. And then you just learn from it mm. and make better yeah. decisions. Mm. Yeah, that that's really huge and key. All right, so this is part of the show where I roll out the red carpet to the guests. And if you have anything that you'd like to get off your, off your chest or in your heart that you want to release out into the world, uh, if you want to throw a parting shot at somebody or if you have any words of wisdom you want to dispense, whatever you want to say, however you want to say it, right now, the floor is yours. <laughs> this is quite a big one. Um, <clears throat> I thought you were just going to ask me for some website um, address and that's it. <laughs> it's quite... Um, <laughs> I, I think I've more or less covered everything in this uh, podcast but one of my main attributes, one of the things I like to tell people, it's like it's set yourself big goals and take action on what you learn because I've spent a lot of time learning and learning and not implementing what I've learned and I got quite overwhelmed this year with the amount of personal development and coaching and learning I was doing and trying to better myself um, I wasn't actually taking any action from it. <clears throat> so now I've slowed down. I read less books, but as many as I should, um, and do less courses and one at a time, especially I was doing three courses at once at one time. And now I'll slowly take it, uh, take it a bit slower and focus on the one thing I need to get done and, and what I learn, I take action and implement straight away. So I'm well known for this as well through a lot of people do mention this, that when I'm on, say, for example, a, I'm on a business course in London um, within our group. Everyone says, like, 
you just get shit done. So I've took that away. It's like, that's one of my mantras now, get shit done. Um, that's what I like to, that's what I like to use. Um, <clears throat> so yes, and DJs and uh, events people, it's, you just need to set yourself some goals and get out of your comfort zone and learn how to promote yourself because it's not going to happen overnight. You're not just going to one day, someone's going to listen to you and walk past your bedroom and listen to, oh, who's that? What's that music? And then you're going to get a DJ booking. It's absolutely not going to happen. Um, and sending mix, mixes to club promoters and labels and agents, you, you, you need to do more of it. You need to have a process. You need to know how to do that. It's not something, it's not an easy thing to learn. Um, so if you check my blogs out and my future podcasts, you're going to learn a lot. Um, I'm here to help. You can email me at any point, uh, Danny at dannysavage.com. Um, I've got some good friends and experts on board as well that are going to do Q and A's with DJs on my Facebook page, um, and events people. Um, so yeah. And if you want to find me on social media, like I said, my everything is at that Danny Savage, Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter and I think that's it. And yeah, I don't use Snapchat. I don't use Twitter really. Um, I will do, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not really for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Snapchat's not really for me either. Uh, so you are not alone in that department. Yeah. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to hear more of this voice all throughout 2018 and beyond. Uh, I've had it. I've had an enjoyable time with this gentleman. Uh, a guy from the Britain that now is in Spain that throws parties for everybody who wants to do one. The owner of the Igloo Disco and the podcast host of that Danny Savage show, Danny Savage. Danny, it has been a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, mine too. Thank you very much for having me. And thanks for the interview call. It's been uh, really good. Um, yeah. There are many things in life we need to participate in doing. One of those activities is having fun in life. That seems to be one of those issues where if you do it in excess, just like anything else, it can spiral out of control. But if you work all the time, then the possibility of actually relieving yourself with a bit of fun is necessary. The Bible says... And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. Life is just too hard a lot of the time. And one of the things we need to do is kick back and relax every now and then. I think that's why we have a lot of people who love Fridays every Friday. And unfortunately, I think that's why we see so many kickbacks so hard because life is so stressful. But let's make a commitment to one another that we enjoy life no matter if it's work or play because that's how we are built. We're built to enjoy and savor every single bit of life we can in every single arena possible. Many thanks to Danny Savage. And you can check out that Danny Savage show. It is on iTunes and wherever you can get podcasts that are available. For changing the world one conversation at a time. I am Cole Johnson. And this has been Revelations. 
For more on Revelations, go to Pippa, spelled P-I-P-P-A dot I-O, and milehighradio.com, spelled M-I-L-E-H-I-R-A-D-I-O. Every Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific.